Hello and welcome back to the Lieberland Show. I'm your host, Adam Carswell, and today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Jeremy Bernal. Uh, Jeremy and I, hey, how you doing, Jeremy? Um, we, uh, I want to say we go way back. I guess it's not, not that long, but it feels like it, and he's been a great uh, neighbor here in the state of, of Florida uh, for us, too. We've hung out a few times, shared a few cigars and all that good stuff, and um, he recently, in a group that we're in, shared a presentation on really what I would call the power of farming and really, uh, you know, creating a more personally responsible life for yourself as far as supplying yourself with, with food and all the necessities. But I think the title of the presentation was, was Ranching in a Free Society. I might get that wrong, but, but Jeremy's got the whole presentation um, boiled down to about, you know, roughly 20 minutes here that he's going to share with us. So I just wanted to get this out to the Lieberland community, see what we could learn from it, um, and then take it from there. So Jeremy, great to have you here is there anything uh thank you in particular any any hello messages or things that you're looking forward to in today's presentation before we dive in uh not really um i guess we could just get to so it you got you got your legalized freedom t-shirt on oh yeah legalized freedom <laughs> good start all right well on that <laughs> note i'll let you take it away all right let's uh see if we can get the screen share going uh how did i do this start share by the way if you're listening if you, i just realized if you're listening on apple Podcasts or spotify there'll be a, a youtube link in the show notes so you can watch the see the presentation here but yeah, jeremy go ahead okay i'll try to make it uh whoops as easy as i can so farming in a free society or how to farm in an unfree world how to farm free in an unfree world um so yes our world is definitely not free obviously uh so well, let's talk about defining our terms, which we like to do. So what is farming? Well, farming is creating food or livestock, uh, and it requires soil, fertilizer, feed, water, seeds, livestock, land. Uh, some of these are self-seeding, self-perpetuating, etc. Need space of territory, land, inter indoor space, greenhouses, vertical area with light and water, etc. Hydroponics requires care. Uh, monitoring soil, weather, water, breeding, genetic management, nutrition, veterinary checks, planning for seasons to know what grows when. Uh, you know, all these things are typically gotten through labor and or free trade with individuals um, in an environment where you're left alone to go about your day without threats or distractions and trade the fruits of your labors. The story ends happily here. But how do we decide what is our land, uh, you know? Any possession in a truly free society is really only yours insofar as you can defend it by yourself through force or by proxy with minions or via some form of government, whether micro or macro, i.e. force once again, uh, whether benevolent or malevolent force is required, whether it comes in the form of violent defense or enforcement of paper contracts. Uh, this is a big can of worms. We can argue about it for days and days and days. Uh, well, you have you have uh, some experience dealing with uh, the paper contracts, right? And and the yes. joys. And so, I mean, what would be your your takeaway from navigating that space and and doing it successfully now? I mean, for the most part, uh, your land will stay your land forever, unless they want to build a highway through it or expropriate it through eminent domain. Um, the odds of that happening are kind of slim to none. The, you know, where the government kind of encroaches the most, and we'll we'll talk about this in just a little bit, is your practices on that land. Um, 
it's much easier for them to harass you that way than it is for them to take your land away from you. Sure. Sure. Yep. I think we, um, agree, we definitely agree at Liberland with that. So yeah, continue. Yeah. So, um, you know, the idealistic dreams of what could or should be doesn't put food on our tables. Uh, instead, we should focus on what gives us the freest possible outcome in today's world as it pertains to farming. Uh, so to quote Doug Casey, farmers are always, they always fare poorly when the elite capture the apparatus of the state. One reason is that as a group, farmers are basically entrepreneurs. We don't work regular hours. Uh, we don't take orders from supervisors working in cubes. We're very independent. We have to buy and sell like merchants. We have to be practical field level biologists, botanists, zoologists, veterinarians, meteorologists, businessmen, mechanics, and dozens of other things. Uh, you know, successful farmers, naturally multifaceted and multi-talented, not the type of person prone to taking orders from high up. He's a person that owns property and knows its value and values it rightly. Uh, as a class, farmers tend to be natural enemies of socialist governments. It's true that they can be corrupted, much as many farms farmers have been in the U.S. with subsidies. Uh, but farmers tend to be independent thinkers. Governments, therefore, hold them in suspicion and are inclined to pay to pay special attention to them. So, yeah, unless you walk the big party line of big ag, big pharma, big oil, and big finance, which are all kind of in bed together over this production of food, eventually the government will show up to shit on you, uh, either directly or indirectly. Uh, in the USA, at least, farming remains mostly free. You can grow, slaughter, harvest, and consume anything on your own farm for your own purposes. You can share it with friends and family and strangers. You can give it away for free, but the moment it becomes commerce, our money changes hands and it suddenly needs to be checked for safety and all the rules come out. So uh, the biggest threats to food freedom are the USDA, the WEF, the WHO, climate change cultists, war and sanctions, import, export tariffs, general bureaucracy, central planning, piracy on land and sea, i.e. poaching. Um, the non-governmental threats tend to be mostly natural uh, or neglect, you know, drought, flood, weather, pests, soil depletion, land loss to development, uh, climate change. Yes, it changes, but it's usually not because of us. Uh, invasive species, extinctions, famines, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, interestingly enough, these items can all be triggered and exacerbated by government meddling and bad policy. So I mean, in most of these cases, the government is the amplifier of the the bad stuff that happens to farmland. Uh, in the USA, 175 acres of farmland is lost to development every hour. That is three acres per minute. So every three minutes, food production capacity of an entire family, assuming, you know, that entire family runs on 10 acres, is erased. That's, you know, every three minutes, an entire family's food gone. So, um, the biggest, greatest enemy is probably the USDA. Uh, it's become the weapon of big ag, big pharma, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what is big ag? So we know who we're fighting here. So uh, mostly it's big big corporations. Uh, Cargill, Archer, Daniel, Archer Daniels Midland, Bayer, John Deere, Monsanto, CNH, Syngenta, DuPont, Nutrien, Yara, BASF. Um, <clears throat> these companies make, 
you know, the machinery, the chemicals, the biotech, the fertilizers, uh, everything that goes into producing food on a massive scale. Um, so we all know that the food pyramid is pathetically wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's the most legitimate period, one of the most legitimate pyramid schemes out there. Yeah, it is. It's it's truly, truly awful. Uh, it started with good intentions as all things, but, you know, uh, the road to hell is paved with them. Uh, so originally it was a nutritionist that was asked to design the food pyramid, but then the lobbyists got control of it. Um, and I don't want to go through all the quotes from her, but uh, they're in here in the PDF if you'd like to read it. Um yeah, basically somebody presented them when asked with a good plan and then lobbyists got in and said, well, we need to sell more wheat and sugar and uh, carbs to all these people. So, um, you know, she spoke out about it, but it didn't change anything. And it's still in use today. Uh, they're still pushing this crap on us. Um, this is from 1918. <laughs> it's an ad where it says, Uncle Sam expects you to keep hens and raise chickens. Uh, you know, it shows a, a boy and a girl building chicken coops and feeding chickens in their yard. Uh, it says two hens in the backyard for each person in the house will keep a family in fresh eggs. You know, this is from a time when Americans were still had good values of bootstrapping and making their own food. You know, in times of peace, a profitable recreation in time of war, a patriotic duty. So, yeah, every backyard in the United States should contribute its share to a bumper crop of poultry and eggs in 1918. You know, uh, this is cool stuff. It's a shame we, we no longer have, like, real leadership to, to get people to do this. That said, um, you know, since COVID, the uh, backyard flock of chickens in the USA has increased by one million, which is a really good sign. So the USDA now lists social justice as its primary mission, followed by climate change. Nutrition security, quote unquote, comes third, but it's just a fancy name for more DEI boilerplate. Uh, you can look at their website right now and see this exact same stuff. Uh, how, my, how the mighty have fallen, you know, from Uncle Sam insists that you grow chickens to, uh, you know, <clears throat> Food equity, food security, recognize that structural inequities make it hard for people to eat healthy and be physically active. You know, oh God, it's it makes me want to vomit, honestly. It's, uh, yeah, structural racism increases food insecurity. Uh-huh. All right, so. I, I, well, actually, no, I'll wait till, uh, I'm just wondering how this um, has affected your ability to to do what you do. But we'll get to, I guess, um, the Q &A yeah, I can, we can talk about that. I mean, there's a lot of laws and permits and things you have to go through uh, to legally sell meat. And it varies from state to state. But, you know, if the feds get involved, like in this case right here, um, we'll talk about there, there's all kinds of different cases where the USDA has overstepped and acted like, you know, they literally have a SWAT team. It's It's ridiculous to go after people making food for people who want to buy this food. But, um, you know, there's been a series of organized and related raids on farms and private purchasing clubs, uh, mainly instigated by the milk milk lobby and uh, the USDA and the FDA. Um, 
you know, here in Venice, California, the Rossum Food Club was raided by armed federal and county agents who arrested a club volunteer and seized computers, files, cash, $70,000 worth of perishable produce. Uh, James Stewart, 64, was charged on 13 counts, 12 of them related to the processing and sale of unpasteurized milk to club members. The other count involved unwashed room temperature eggs. Oh, no, a storage method Rossum members prefer. The agents dumped gallons of raw milk and filled a large flatbed with seized food, including coconuts, watermelons, and frozen buffalo meat. Oh, no, they're going to eat stuff that they want to eat. And, you know, none of these people got sick. Uh, Amos Miller, this case is ongoing. Uh, he's an Amish farmer whose farm was raided. He had 4,000 members in his purchasing club, a private purchasing club, mind you, uh, nationwide. Um, they threatened him with fines and jail time, and they're trying to shut down his farm. They said he can't sell his meat, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, they told they told him he had no right to represent himself in court, which is absurd. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, the regulations they have, they 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 regulate the slaughter and sale of cattle, eggs, and raw milk, but they don't require anything for rabbits, water buffalo, fish. Uh, it, it's mainly the lobby groups. You could see specifically the lobby groups are the ones who made these laws. They don't care about water buffaloes or rabbits because that doesn't hurt their bottom line. But, you know, if other people are selling their own beef, you know, without having to go through the the gatekeepers, then, yeah, it becomes a problem. Uh, and unfortunately, the rest of the world uses these models for their own systems. Uh, you know, the WEF and WHO provide guidance behind the scenes. And uh, now the USDA is following page for page the exact WEF 2030 agenda with its new DEI directives, COVID slaughterhouse lockdowns and delays, culling and confiscation for climate change and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and actually, this is a couple of months out of date, but it's now illegal for farmers in the USA to buy antibiotics over the counter to treat our own livestock without a vet's prescription. Um, so here's one way that, uh, you know, the USDA has meddling has screwed up uh, things. Bird flu is a, a thing that could have been prevented, but, uh, you know, uh, over decades of treating birds for bird flu with leaky vaccines it's made the disease worse um it's well documented uh, it's happened not only with bird flu but with merrick's disease which is a sort of chicken herpes that uh, once was just a an inconvenience but and that is and has now become a deadly deadly virus that kills lots of birds um and uh yeah I think it's mainly because it's just leaky vaccines. I mean, the science shows it, and there's many studies that prove this. So also, in addition to the, oh, yeah, you can't use antibiotics. Antibiotics are bad. You know, you see these labels that say uh, no antibiotics contained in this meat. Well, that's because they're using mRNA vaccines now. Um, they've been in use in chickens for 14 years, in pigs for five years, and now over the last year, they've been used in cows. And there's no requirement for them to report this. They don't have to tell you it's in there. Uh, so it makes pretty much all your stuff suspect. You don't want to be eating spike protein. It's not, it's just, it's, it's bad. Uh, I, I'm sure I don't have to tell you that. Um, so, you know, some of these lobbies that push the, the vaccines, they also 
do really shady stuff. Um, Monsanto bioengineers bio crop seeds, which they sell to farmers. The seeds are designed not to propagate, meaning the mature plant is sterile. Uh, the seeds planted from these will not germinate, forcing the farmer to continue to buy more seeds every year. The cost is subsidized, of course. Uh, so these mature plants, despite growing sterile seeds, continue to spread pollen. This pollen spreads to neighboring crops, which may or may not use the same seeds. Uh, the sterility propagates to these non-engineered plants and makes portion of that farmer's future seed stock sterile. Uh, to add insult injury, Monsanto periodically checks other fields to see if their pantogenes are being spread. Here's an interesting thing. Judge Clarence Thomas was a Monsanto lawyer, and he's the one that put through this uh, judgment that genes can be patented. Um, anyways, yeah. Then Monsanto sues the farmers that did nothing more to, who did nothing more than dare to grow crops near the guy who planted Monsanto seeds. Uh, they'll sue anybody they suspect of cleaning seed, meaning the reuse of patented seeds and attempts to germinate them. Uh, the contacts, contracts with their captive consumer farmers demand that they continue to buy new seed every harvest. Uh, raw milk, the milk lobby's evil, right? Uh, raw milk has been consumed by humans for millions of years. Pasteurization has only been commercially done to milk since the early 1900s. It did not become law until 1947, and it did not become legally, legally required for interstate commerce in 1973. Uh, while pasteurization is not a difficult or expensive thing to do, it's time-consuming, requires dedicated equipment such as a pressure canner or a refrigerator and space to store and operate it all. Uh, the percentage of time needed for a small farmer to pasteurize his own milk takes a massive toll compared to a large operation that can afford an assembly line to automate it. This effectively kicks the small farmer out of the commercial milk market. And this is, of course, by design. Uh, the milk lobby is working hard to keep that boot on the neck of small farmers, even when these farmers have a customer base which knows the risks and actively seeks the nutritional benefits of raw milk. So why is all of this important? Well, big ag allied with government will sell you the machinery, which saves labor but also encourages soil depletion. They also sell you the fertilizer to fix that problem. They sell you seeds that grow in chemical-laced depleted soil, but they grow sterile, so you'll need to keep buying more of these seeds. These bug-resistant crops breed new superbugs, which decimate other plants. So other farmers will just have to bend the knee. Uh, they'll sell you the supplements necessary to give proper nutrition, quote-unquote, to your livestock that can't get it from your now-depleted petrochemical soil that's full of superbugs. Uh, they are reducing the quality of feed and adding chemicals and soy, which make livestock and therefore you less healthy and more susceptible to disease. Big Pharma picks up that weight. Uh, big Ag distorts the cost of lot feed and productive farmland by way of subsidies, so much that clean meat ranching is a harder business to get into and grow. Market grain-fed beef as the good stuff so that uh, most of the population thinks grass-fed is weird or elitist, which makes it even more of a challenge for the natural farmer. Uh, they feed these subsidized corn and soy crops to the cattle in feedlots because it's no longer profitable to graze them, which makes them less healthy and more susceptible to sickness, and introduces new diseases to the population, which they would have not have otherwise caught. Uh, oh, hey, we have a vaccine for that. <laughs> Uh, yes, you have to use Arvax because the FDA has now joined our cabal and decided they no longer trust you to treat your own livestock with antibiotics. That can only be done by a vet now, by a prescription, after all. Uh, 
Yeah, they'll sell you leaky vaccines with comp which compound the problems and make the disease stronger. Uh, they'll sometimes kill you and or your livestock anyway. Uh, oh, and by the way, we've just developed a new strain of XYZ cross-species disease, which has 60% lethality on both man and beast. Uh, but we can provide you with insurance and bailouts in case your herd catches it. Uh, remind me again, who did you vote for? Uh, they've drafted laws which mandate your cooperation in this corrupt system of food production if you wish to operate at scale. Uh, they will lobby and raid against anyone who dares to produce and market outside the corrupt system. Uh, they feed the masses with these subsidized and unhealthy products, soy and corn grown in glyphosate, and tell you that it's healthy. Uh, this subsidized garbage food makes healthy foods unaffordable for the average consumer. And once again, here comes Big Farmer to pick up that slack. So right now, presently, the USA, with support of Bayer, Monsanto, and Dow, is bullying Mexico over their ban of GMO corn from the United States. Uh, Andres Lopez Obrador issued a presidential decree banning GMO corn, quote unquote, to protect the health of Mexico's consumers and protect small scale farmers, the environment and the purity of Mexico's native corn varieties. Mexico also banned glyphosate or Roundup. Uh, in response, Bayer, Monsanto and Dow have launched at least 43 lawsuits in Mexico attempting to overturn the presidential decree. President Biden's U.S. Trade Representative, Ambassador Catherine Tai, is being lobbied to bring dispute settlement procedures against Mexico under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement. It's lovely. <laughs> so, <laughs> nothing, nothing, it's all just a bunch of backsheesh and bribes, and it's it's horrible. Um, so, war and sanctions, of course, other things the government does it disrupts movement uh, or stops production of or destroys all the things farmers might need. Fuel, fertilizer, feed, machinery, raw materials. We're seeing this in Ukraine. Uh, and the lack of fertilizer out of Russia and Ukraine caused farmers simply to not plant any crops or plant crops late because they couldn't get it in time. Uh, you know, it caused the world's top producers of wheat and other grains against, again, Russia and Ukraine to halt exports, which put a kink in livestock feed production worldwide. Uh, made imported Russian oil much more costly, obviously. We're, we're all feeling that because Putin is charging asshole tax, and rightly so. Uh, this, coupled with increased cost of fuel, feed, and fertilizer, has an exponential effect on upward food prices across the board. You know, it's a trickle down. The biggest thing is energy. Uh, and when you screw with the energy, man, everything else becomes so much more expensive. Climate hysteria has forced increased bureaucratic and compliance costs on farmers to produce any given thing from crops to livestock. Got to watch your CO2 and your nitrogen and, you know, cow farts bad. Uh, you know, they've, they've called millions of sheep and cattle for no good reason other than meat bad. You know, eat your bugs. CO2 and methane were much lower when the world had several factors more cattle roaming wild across the planet. Uh you know, growing cows is not bad for the environment. It's a natural thing. There were a lot of them before. There are much fewer of them today than there used to be. Um, climate hysteria drives up the price of every kind of fuel and energy, which makes food much more expensive, not just to produce, but also to transport and preserve. Uh, climate hysteria is absorbing the blame for disease and depleted soils, which are the byproducts of big ag lobbyists and bad government policy. How convenient that they're screwing it up. They offer them as the only salvation 
for these problems. And of course, you've got to pay for it through taxes and, and increased costs. Central planning, bureaucracy, tariffs, and obstacles. Um, at this point, we all have a fairly clear idea. Any obstacle gets between a farmer and your table just increases the cost of your food and benefits nobody but politicians and the big ag mafia. <clears throat> 1.3 billion tons of food goes to waste globally annually. This is one third of all food produced for human consumption. 41% is because it spoils before use. We're talking about how much it costs to preserve it. 28% is wasted due to personal preferences. Like, oh, I don't want to eat that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. A quarter of the world, you know, the food wasted. Uh, and 25% is wasted because too much was prepared. So the world has no food shortage. It just, it, the world is drowning in food. Uh, it should not be expensive. And yet people still go starving in the world. Problem lies with distribution and preservation mainly. Uh, and logistics can easily solve it if government gets the hell out of the way. Um, you know, piracy and poaching is a problem. It's not too big a deal now, but as countries become more third worldish and there's more refugees, uh, they will you know, people will go and kill a cow in a farmer's field just to take a leg home to feed their family and leave the body rotting. It just it just happens. Um, we are seeing looting even in, quote unquote, civilized countries. Uh, you know, here in Chicago right now, they're talking about setting up a government grocery store uh, because nobody wants to operate retail businesses in Chicago. Oh, surprise, surprise. So yeah, yeah, you, yeah you, you wreck know, everything. For two, it's for two reasons too. I mean, obviously <laughs> the the danger that Chicago brings to the table, but also I've heard uh, Cook County, aka Crook County, is is yeah. very hard just to get business done in the first place. Oh, I, it was like that when I was a kid there. I grew up there. I know all yeah. about how corrupt Chicago is. It's a it's terrible, but yeah, um, they they've made their bed now. They're gonna lay in it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if these future trends continue, it's not too bright and shiny. I, I'm not going to fill you with black pills because, you know, I believe in offering the white pills with the black pills. Um, we just have to realize that there is a problem. It's heading in the right direction and do the things we need to do to to fix it. Um, so the trend is that food laws are being redirected not towards cleanliness and safely, but towards supplying the lazy at the expense of the productive in the name of equity. I hate that word now. Uh, UBI will be rolled out to feed the unwashed masses and weaponize against people who don't fit narratives or don't walk the party line. Speaking of the commie, commie grocery store in Chicago, you know, carbon credits, rationing, social credit, um, farming laws and regulations will become so onerous that it kicks small producers out of the market, leaving it all up to big ag. And they're pushing that big time with, uh, you know, the the uh the buy-up of of all this rural property <laughs> um so yeah 100 percent is the percentage at which the world's food system is presently fucked <laughs> but there's hope <laughs> real food mo movements are springing up everywhere like i said earlier about uh the the backyard chicken population's increase of a million fold in the past couple of years um, covid backfired in many respects it made people turn their attention inward uh towards holistic health uh, and in the USA presently, if you grow, process, slaughter your own food, there's nothing the USDA can do to you. There's I, think no that's, I think that's permits. the biggest takeaway right there. 
right? Just that sentence yeah. alone. Um, you can do it yourself and there's nothing they can do to you so long as you don't sell it to anybody else. And then there's ways around that too. Um, if you're interested in black market burgers, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you could set up private membership associations, uh, you know, and that, that brings the commerce out of the public domain and, and makes it applicable to private membership laws. And uh, you can get away with a lot of stuff that way. Um, and you can sur circumvent a lot of state laws that way. Um, good news is that several countries have already banned the use of glyphosate and GMOs and more are joining the clean food bandwagon. Unfortunately, USA is not there yet because, uh, you know, Monsanto will have to really give that up and they don't want it. That's their cash cow. It'll take a while, but, you know, people are wising up. People don't want to buy food with glyphosate. Um, you know, if the government, if you want to, to legally sell your, your produce and stuff, it's got to be processed at a USDA certified and overseen slaughterhouse. Um, unfortunately, you know, causes slowdowns, causes delays. Um, in many cases, if uh, the inspectors didn't want to go to areas that had a lot of COVID, uh, you know, they couldn't run the the processing plants uh, without their, you know, supervision. Um, and this is part of why store shelves went empty of beef and pork. Um, <clears throat> you'd think the beef and pork producers would care that they had less sales, but uh, they're insured and subsidized by the same big ag companies and the government. Uh, 16 billion of the 1.9 trillion COVID relief bill was earmarked as farm aid payments doled out by the USDA. And of course, focused on benefiting farmers of color who are socially disadvantaged. Uh, Fed spending on paying farmers not to farm nearly doubled between 2021 and 2022. So there's already food shortages. Why is the Fed paying farmers not to farm? It's ridiculous uh, because artificial scarcity, scarcity gives bureaucrats power. They don't care about preventing hunger, famine, or disease. They care about creating and preserving the conditions in which it thrives because it gives them power, lets them dole out favors. There's no profit in staying out of the way and letting people go about their business. There's much profit in being the gatekeeper for all those activities. Uh, here's a famous quote by Mark Twain, in order to make a man or a boy covet a thing, it is only necessary to make the thing difficult to attain. So how do we fight all this? Um, number one, for God's sake, get the fuck out of cities and move somewhere rural. Uh, form tight-knit tight -knit communities, uh, both physical and online. Uh, with this comes security against encroachment by government or looters. Uh, builds a safety net with other producers of food. Um, <clears throat> there's an interesting book called Rural Home Defense by Don Shift. Uh, it goes through a lot of what happened in Zimbabwe uh, to the farmers and how they they strategized against people. Um, and they basically built these armed kind of farm prisons. <laughs> um, anyways, check it out if you have time. Uh, you grow your own food. Oh, you had a question. I've got I've got a few here, but just we'll we'll wait till you uh till you wrap it okay. up. Okay. Yeah, we're almost done. Um. So yeah, grow your own food. Even a small garden helps. Just a few chickens that like Uncle Sam wanted. You know. Um. 
victory gardens were were great in World War II. My grandparents told me stories about you know how the government gave them seed packets and you know encouraged them to grow stuff in their victory garden, and so they did. And so they had way too much, and they'd make a basket every every evening of <laughs> their surplus. And they'd go and they'd take it, they'd go walk around the neighborhood and they'd drop the basket off uh, on their neighbor's porch. And when they got back home, some other neighbor had dropped a basket of their surplus on their porch. So everybody had so much food to go around. It doesn't take a lot. If a bunch of people do it, it's amazing how quickly it all adds up. Um, the PMA, the Private Membership Organization, um, it doesn't prevent raids like in the cases cited before, but they do still offer a modicum of legal protection. The government likes to make examples, but if people fight back, the government also does not like the bad press. It's hard to spin all that tax money burned and aggression aimed at Amish dudes selling milk to willing customers. Um, there are such things as food churches. They're similar to PMAs, you know, separation of church and state. What happens in the church is none of the government's business. The body is a temple. It can be done. It has been done. Um make connections with local farmers buy your meat and produce from local people if and when supermarkets run out they'll still have stuff to sell you uh and you get it much cheaper you get much better quality product you know exactly where it lived how it died it's it's much better stuff you can get in the store um pay attention to food and farming politics in the news you know the spotlight makes the cockroaches run also i know that we're all kind of anarcho-capitalists and libertarians but you know, supporting the Prime Act, which is on the Senate floor right now, um, you know, it'll kick the FDA out of private farm sales and keep them out of interstate commerce. And basically, it's nationwide food freedom law. Uh, just because we're ANCAPs doesn't mean we can't use the state apparatus to help protect ourselves and others. Uh, the best laws are the ones that shield you from government, and we don't have enough of that happening today. So the rest of this is uh, some things about DIY, and I guess you could look that over if you want um, in the PDF. Sure. Uh, further resources and readings, check out Joel Salatin's teachings. Uh, he's a really great guy with really great ideas. Uh, the Rogue Food Conference is, is a good thing to check out. Uh, Homesteaders of America, the Weston A. Price Foundation. Um, yeah, so I guess we can open up the floor for... Yeah, for some questions here. Um, and thank you for, for I, I remember the first time I saw you give that presentation. Always hits harder uh, the second time, right? But um, I know you condensed it to make it happen. So thank you for for doing that and sharing it with Lieberland. One, so I got like four questions here. Uh, the first one is you referenced uh, the Amish. And that's something I never really thought twice about until you said it. But um, are the Amish able to kind of navigate around a lot of this authoritarian stuff because of their faith they are and it's also because they have a very tight-knit community that you know tends to not trust outsiders with you know knowledge that they don't need um but they're completely happy to trade with the local neighborhoods um right. you know a lot of these farms out there are amish and you'd never know it you know uh, they're not opposed to technology they're just opposed to electricity <laughs> yeah, <I love laughs> and not necessarily it. all of them you know i've seen them all use like a lot of modern stuff. Um, but right. yeah, um, they have long family traditions of just producing stuff that they need and, and selling the surplus. And I mean, that's kind of our farm model here. Uh, even though we're not technically Amish, we're Amish in the head, you know, we're, 
Amish mindset. Um, but the, the focus is community, absolutely community. You know, if you do good things with your community, they will respect you. Everybody gets a better life out of it. And I think that is, I, and I can't really speak to other parts of the world, but my observation with the U S in particular is the small towns, you know, um, it came up on our call recently to uh, Jason Aldean came out with that new song, like try that in a small town. Mm. And I know not everyone here who's a libertarian is like a uh, you know, country music loving truck driving type of person. But the general message of that song, I think, is true. Is that, you know, the small, tight knit communities mm. are the ones that are sustainable and the ones you don't hear about. But they do exist and you can find them all over the world. I mean, right. I, I know with confidence and in the U.S. So if you want to find a, a cool small town, we can maybe send you to Jeremy. Um, if you want the presentation <laughs> as well, if you want the PDF copy, um, Jeremy's happy to connect with anyone on signal uh i know just from getting to know him he's very accessible there so if you do want we're not going to give away his phone number but if you guys do want to get in touch with jeremy on signal just shoot me an email citizenship.adam at liberland.org on that note most of you already know if you don't know uh liberland citizenship if you're interested in it you can come to me um i think the price has officially gone from five thousand us to ten thousand if you're interested in becoming a liberland i shouldn't say i think i know it has it is ten thousand uh us dollars now to be a liberland citizen so just keep that in mind but feel free to reach out for that um as well now i don't know if you've seen liberland in the news lately jeremy but um we've recently been able to start settling the land which has been mm -hmm. something for eight years that uh, has basically been impossible and there's been some pushback recently from the croatian police as we've always had uh, but with settling the land, that does eventually lead potentially to farming. So if you uh, were, you know, I know it's kind of hard to think sometimes, but if you were starting a country from scratch or had a piece of land that was, you know, it didn't belong to anyone it, and it's just you and you could set something up um, that, you know, would protect the farming, I guess you could say laws. I hate to say laws because it implies that there's going to have to be them, but, you know, I think there mm. will be. So what would you do to like structure legislature to protect it to protect farmers over the next you know two three hundred years well the first thing i do is uh set up some way that unused land can be farmed uh with some sort of share system um because you you know you you should be farming right away that's the first thing you need to do is is have your base of food there growing ready to go especially like cattle cattle are very hands-off you know you could put them in, they'll, they'll eat all kinds of different things and they need space to roam. So, you know, if, if you're doling out property by the section or by land, you know, land area, um, have some sort of, you know, kind of agreement for lease terms or something. So, you know, you don't have to ask individual permission. You just say, Hey, look, you know, if you guys want to opt in for, you know, part of this farming thing, we will give you a share of the proceeds of the food, or we will entitle you to food if you let us use your land for for grazing. Uh, you know, the, have the biggest challenge it, would be um, square kilometers from a land mass perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, Lieberland is maybe two or three, no more than four times the size of like Monaco. So mm -hmm. we're started. We're starting with like a small amount of land to begin with. Um, right. So I would say make it as easy as as you can some sort of simple contract based royalty system for using unused, you know, owned, privately owned, but unused land for for farming. There we go. 
that's that's just my initial itself. thought not knowing the specifics of how you guys are you know, yeah yeah well uh, it's something up. that uh, i think we probably i'll probably pick your brain on in the future just in just generally speaking so um one reference and i yeah i'll get your take on this too but i i think i made the mistake earlier of refer referring to them as black market burgers and my friend nick gm bruno said this recently he's like hey look the black market is just the free market. It's the government that mm -hmm. gets that term to make people think that it's bad. But what it is, is a market that doesn't need government to get their hands into things. So mm -hmm. thoughts on that? Thoughts on uh, I mean, we, we sell all of our stuff kind of black market. <laughs> <laughs> free market. Free market. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't have any permits or anything uh, to to sell eggs and poultry but i still do well, i made it i made a donation you know, to you for the eggs that you gave us <laughs> it's one yeah. of the best donations ever <laughs> exactly i you know uh, i'll arrange for these eggs to fall out the back of a truck if uh, i could just be walking <laughs> along and find a few dollar bills on the ground you know uh, geez what are the what are the chances of that coincidence next time, you, yeah, next time you see yourself making your way no state of, I, I didn't realize until we moved here the state of florida actually is pretty big it takes a while to, to drive across etc but next time you do find yourself in the state of florida um and you'd like to make a donation to jeremy and and see how he's living again let and him possibly go. possibly i could arrange for some eggs to just materialize you know <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, okay. Technically, by the laws of physics, the money doesn't actually change hands. It never actually touches hands. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's all I had. I, I I feel like if we, you know, if we had a live audience, we'd probably go for another hour here. Um, and maybe we'll get some questions that that spark a future appearance. But yeah, Jeremy, just um, you know, any based on the little you know about uh Lieberland, any parting words of wisdom to. You know, our country and our people who are you know basically working on the the most ancap libertarian startup country in the world build your infrastructure so that you are not reliant on any external sources uh that means your food infrastructure uh your electrical infrastructure and anything you you need try to minimize you know the ability of anyone else to meddle with your supplies um and it's tough, you know, like our, the place we're in now, we're not off grid yet, but the place we were at was off grid. It took a lot of work to do it, uh, but man, it was so worth it. Not knowing that, you know, it, <laughs> the only thing coming in was electrical lines and we didn't even need that after a while. So, you know, your food, your water, all that, just make sure you spend a lot of time on the base level infrastructure stuff, and then you won't need to worry about it in the future at all. It'll, it'll be much more comfortable. Love it. Love it. And Lieberland, um, as far as I know, we do have the right to bear arms. So I know that helps too. Yeah, it does. Um, there's one thing to think about on that. Um, a lot of people talk about, oh, my second amendment, my right to, to, to own weapons and stuff, but they don't give a second thought to my food, you know? Uh, and sure. while you can't legally control how you defend yourself, you can legally control what people put in their mouths. And uh, that's kind of scary because if you don't have food, what good are the guns? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so food for thought, yeah. <laughs> literally. Literally food for thought. And on that note, you know, you referenced the US, UF, USDA a few times there too. And if there's anything I've learned from the USDA and FDA just over the past three years is, um, 
they don't mean like they don't mean anything like i, I sometimes no. when i see that something is is not fda or usda approved now there was a point in time where i wouldn't but now i'm like oh wow this actually could be good for me <laughs> let me take a look mm. you know so well, yeah they they originally should be in charge of labeling food products and and labeling for food safety but why did why do they have a SWAT team? <laughs> exactly. <It's, laughs> they they're literally just they've become a weapon for people who have nefarious intent. True. All right. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much for investing your most valuable resource with us here today. You are mm, off the thank grid you. or soon to be off the grid time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and guys, yeah, if you want to get in touch with Jeremy, he's the man. Just shoot me an email again, citizenship.adamantliberland.org, and we'll connect you with him on Signal uh, because there's more where this came from. So, Jeremy, thank you again. All right. Take it easy. Liberlandians, we'll see you in the next episode.